What's up? Happy Easter. Littleton is alive tonight. Let's say hi to everybody. What's up, Littleton, Lakewood, Evergreen, Arvada, both God Behind Bars campuses. Men and women, we love you so much. We're so honored to get to celebrate Easter with you today in Brussels, Belgium. We miss you. We love you. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get to see you soon. Hey, I don't, I don't like the way that felt. Can we make some noise for Brussels? There we go. We love you, Brussels. You know, the very first Easter, some of Jesus' best friends ran to a tomb expecting to find him because that's where he was put when he died and the tomb was empty and the stone was rolled away and he wasn't there and he'd walked out and he was alive that day and he's alive today. Can we get excited about that? If you're visiting with us for the first time, whether you're at one of our seven locations or you're on a bike somewhere or on a treadmill or in a car or at work or wherever you're at, we're so glad that you've joined us. And, and we want you to know this. Um, it doesn't matter what, what your past looks like. It doesn't matter what kind of stuff you're dealing with right now. Not to us. Um, I want you to know that maybe you've had a church experience before. Maybe it went fantastic. Maybe it was rough. And maybe it was one of those church experiences where you kind of went, yeah, I won't do that again. Maybe you've been around church people. Uh, maybe you haven't. If you're at one of our seven locations today, you're around a handful of them. And uh, maybe you've been around church people before and they've made you like feel better about yourself and they've built you up and they've encouraged you and they've, they've showed you what Jesus' love looks like. Maybe, though, you've, you've been around people who say they're with God and they've made you feel the opposite and you've, you've felt judged and condemned and, and less than. And I just want you to know this. In this place, no matter what you've been through and no matter what has happened and no matter what is happening right now, you are welcomed in this church family. We're glad you're here. We value you. We're so glad you're here. We've been praying that you would show up today. That's how much we wanted to hang out with you. So welcome to Red Rocks Church. We're going to start today by looking at probably one of the most famous verses in the Bible, written by uh, Tim Tebow, John 3.16. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Before we even get into today's message, I want you to know three things from that verse right there. Number one, God loves you. Sometimes we're so aware of our faults. We're so aware of our imperfections. We're so aware of our messed up lives that we feel unlovable. And then we think about what God, what's God think of me? And we picture like an angry God with his arms folded, so disappointed. I want you to know God's not in love with some future version of you that might improve in some area. God's in love with you right here, right now, just the way you are today. If that's all you get for Easter, it was worth the trip. Some of you need to know God loves you. He loves you so much. He gave us a gift. It was his son, Jesus. See, we're going to have a lot of fun today, but what we're talking about is real serious. Like, it's not a joke. God's real. Satan's real. Heaven's real. Hell's real. It's not a game. And, and so God says, look, I don't ever want you to spend any time, not a second, not a moment separated from me eternally in a place that the Bible calls hell. So he said, I gave you the gift of my son so that you could spend forever with me in my presence. God loves you. He's given you this amazing gift. And if you receive it, you don't have to be good enough to earn it. You don't deserve it. You don't do enough good things to get it. You don't avoid enough bad things. You don't go to enough church to, to deserve this kind of gift. No, you just sometimes we just need to be more like my kids when it comes to gifts and just go, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> like, do you deserve it? It doesn't matter. <laughs> but that's how this gift works. You don't have to earn this one. You just receive it. God loves you. He wants to give you a gift. If you haven't already, today you can receive it. And the third thing I want you to know is if you receive this gift, it changes your position. It takes you from some place that you might deserve to be. And it puts you somewhere you could never deserve to be on your own. Receiving the gift changes your position. 
I received this amazing gift recently, and, and that's exactly what I experienced. It changed my position. In fact, it changed our whole family's position. And I'm going to tell you this story, and some of you are going to be like, oh, that's awesome. And some of you are going to be like, I don't like him. And I get it, right? Because sometimes you're like, oh, I'm happy for you. And then it gets to a point where you're like, I don't like you now, right? So I just, as I tell this story, please understand, I'm very aware the gift I was given, I did not even come close to deserving, okay? So I was talking with a counselor. And some of you are like, about time. (laughs) Different sermon. Um, And he was asking me, what are some of the most important things in my life? I said, well, that's easy. I want to be a good husband and I want to be a really good dad. And that, those two things come way before any kind of job or career or anything like that for me. And he said, well, let me give you a piece of advice when it comes to being a dad. And I said, hit me. That's why I'm paying you. <laughs> give me something. And he said, he goes, listen, why don't you, why don't you look for some opportunities to, to create moments with your boys? Like create some moments that you and your boys will remember for a lifetime. Just look for those. So I had that on my mind, okay? So... I got us Bronco tickets. Now, we were barely in the stadium, but we were there, okay? (laughs) Got us Bronco tickets. And and in fact, I remember early in the week praying like, okay, God, would you help me create a memory with my boys today? Or not today, but this week at the game. So anyways, a couple days goes by. A friend of mine calls. He happens to be on the coaching staff for the Broncos. I'm not going to tell you his name because then you will stalk him down. I know how you are. So I'm going to call him coach, okay? So he calls. He says, hey, how about I get you tickets for this weekend's game? I was like, coach, I don't even need tickets. I got tickets. He goes, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Where are your seats? I said, section 539, row 17. (laughs) I didn't even know the sections went that high. They do. Section 539, row 17. He goes, why don't you let me get you tickets? And I'm like, well, what row are your tickets? And he goes, one. (laughs) I was like, for real? Like, you're talking at mile high, right? Oh, over in the corner behind the, you know, behind the, the goalpost or something, like, can't see anything? He goes, no, I'm talking about row one behind me and the team. You will hear us talk. I said, that sounds spirit-filled, coach. It really does. It... <laughs> Completely from God. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> so I went and told my boys. I was like, boys, coach has given us a gift. We never earned this. We've never deserved this. But it's going to change our position. We're coming from somewhere we deserved to somewhere we probably don't. Let's be honest. It gets better. Or if you don't like me right now, worse. He texts me the night before the game. He goes, hey, don't forget your ID. I was like, what's up? He goes, I got you field passes. I said, speaking to my good ear? (laughs) What? He goes, yeah, you're going to come down to the field with me and the team while we're warming up. I went and told my kids, I, my dad's status went through the roof, guys. I'm like, I'm the best father on the planet. I might have, you know, let them believe that I had something to do with it, you know, but whatever. <laughs> so we go to the mile high. I got three forms of ID. I, we get our field passes, and we're walking down to this tunnel that goes down to the field, and the security guard's like, oh, hey, 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 uh-uh. And I'm like, oh, what's up? My bad. <laughs> That's a field pass, brah. I actually didn't say anything like that because he's large and intimidating. But I did show him the field pass. He's like, oh, this way. We go down to the field before the game. A player comes over, starts playing catch with my son on the field. Yeah, is this crazy? And then coach, right before he went to the locker room, he comes over, brings me, Jill, and the boys just barely out onto the field where we're not supposed to be at all and takes a picture with us. Now, my sister rode to this game with me, but she's sitting up in the nosebleeds. I start texting her from the field. Well, I mean, that's what you do, right? And I'm like, hey, can you see me right now? She texts me back three words, I hate you. I learn later, I could have a billion dollars. I can't buy the field access that coach gave me. I can't earn it. I can't deserve it. It had to be a gift from the inside. But receiving the gift, come on, changed everything about our position, didn't it? It took us from, 
I might pull a hamstring getting to my seats to where I deserve to be, to somewhere I couldn't buy on my best day. I couldn't earn or deserve. The gift changed our position. And that's what Jesus does. My gift changed a day. His gift changes our eternity, doesn't it? The Apostle Paul is actually talking to a church in Rome and he says, let me, let me explain to you how this works. Let me explain to you this gift and how amazing it is and how it changes your position. And he said it like this, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He says, let's just start with the, with the, the uh, a foundation that we're all, we're all kind of on the same page. We've all messed up. Let's just start there. Let's acknowledge that. Let's realize that. I have sinned. I am imperfect. I am broken, right? Let's start there. That's what he says. I recently got an email from somebody who says, you know what, your church, you're always saying things like, you know, um, we're a bunch of imperfect, messed up, broken people. He's like, um, but, but what about me? What if I'm not? <laughs> I laughed out loud when I read that email. Dear Gussie, he better be the first one in line. Who says Dear Gussie, by the way? <laughs> Dear Gussie, he better be the first one in line for prayer next week. That's what I was thinking. We're all messed up. Paul says, let's just start by acknowledging that. Then he goes on, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. There's a price. There's a cost. Something has to be paid because we all have sin. And he says the cost of that is death. Or, or eternal separation from God in a place that the Bible calls hell. God says, I don't, I don't ever want you to experience that. That is not my plan for you, not, not one of my children. He said, that's why I sent my son. Jesus said, that's why I gave my life. So you don't ever have to experience that. So you can go from something that you might deserve to something you could never deserve, which is eternal presence with God Almighty himself in a place that the Bible calls heaven. It's okay to clap for that, it's good news. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. The gift changes our position. And then he says this, just to make sure we're all on the same page. He says, who qualifies? Romans 10, 13, everyone. That's me and that's you on our worst day. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. John says it like this, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. That's right. We receive the gift and it changes our position. And it's not just for a day, it's forever. And some of you, you already know. You're like, I had no idea what I was getting into. But your, your heartbeat's already sped up. Like you can already feel it. You can just tell God's trying to get my attention today. God's speaking to me right now. God's drawing me in. I, I can just sense it. I don't know how to explain it. I can feel it. I'm going to give you, if you've never received this gift, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that today before you leave. Before you leave this place, you're going to have a chance to say, I'm going to respond to that, what God's doing in my heart, because I believe. I can feel it. I believe that he's the son of God and that he did come back from the grave, just like we're celebrating today. Like, I just know it in my heart. He's given me the ability today. I believe it. I want to repent of my sins. I want to follow him. And if you do, you receive that gift, you are instantly forgiven redeemed, renewed, restored, changed in the here and now, and given heaven forever. Red Rocks Church, it really is great news. And it really does change our position for eternity. And this crazy gift that my friend gave our family, it reminded me that sometimes a gift can do that. It can change your position. And this game also reminded me that sometimes in your life, you think part of your story is finished, truth is, it's just getting started. I heard somebody say it. You must have seen the 4,000 volunteers with the just getting started shirts on. Hey, and I know how you guys are with church merch. I know we're going to get 72,000 emails this week saying, where do I get the shirt? Uh-uh. Not, not happening. Should have volunteered. <laughs> Boom. We're on the field. Security guards come over. I know that just caused a little uprising right there, didn't it? <laughs> Security guards come over and they're like, hey, everybody with field access passes. You're done. 
it's over. Follow this guard right here. Go through the tunnel. Get back to your seats. The game's about to start. Your field access is finished. Okay. Guy said it's finished. Must be finished. We start heading over to the tunnel. Right on the other side of the security guard, though, I see Miles, the Broncos mascot. And I'm thinking, I can't go down this tunnel until we get a picture with Miles, right? That's got to happen. This day has to be documented. No one's going to believe it. So I go to the security guard. I'm like, hey, I know I'm supposed to go down the tunnel, but just, can I just ride over there? Can I just? And he's like. <laughs> and you know how we like parents, you know how we use our kids for stuff? <laughs> Come on. It's Easter. We can be honest. You know, the whole like. I'd love to hang out. I just, I can't, my kids, I'm as mad as you are. <laughs> so, so I'm like, hey, hey, listen, listen, listen. I, look, I point to our youngest son, Ashton, and I'm like, he's, he's eight. I'm teared up a little bit maybe. And he's like, fine, make it quick. So we step right on the other side of the security guard. And it's me and Jill and, and Ashton and Austin. Ethan couldn't come with us on this one. So, so we step up and I'm like, hey, Miles, quick picture. Now, I don't know what Miles' facial expression actually was. <laughs> but I'll tell you what it felt like. It felt like he did this. And he just walked away. And I'm thinking, like, have I done something to offend Miles? Like, Miles, if you're watching this, do we need to sit down and work this out? I don't understand what happened. So, so I'm like, Jill, boys, this way. And I just start following Miles around the corner of the field. And Miles stops and takes a picture with a grown man in a three-piece suit. I'm like, what? what? He's going to take a picture with my kid. Miles, hey, buddy, he's eight. And again, Miles goes, no. And walked. And now I'm like, oh, we're about to get Ace Ventura Pet Detective in here because I'm going to get a picture with my son. Like, this is going to happen one way or the other, Miles. That's what I'm thinking. And I start following Miles around the corner of the field, and all of a sudden I hear Jill going, Sean! And I'm like, not now, babe. I'm busy. <laughs> Sean! Oh, I got a thing. Sean, turn around! I turn around. I had no idea how far I had walked. Everybody with field access passes, gone. There's one guy next to me, and he's holding a saxophone. And I'm like, well, that's weird. And all of a sudden I went, oh no, he's about to play the national anthem. Right on the other side was the color guard, the men and women in uniform holding the flag. I promise you this happened. Ask my wife. It's, it's the, the national anthem guy, the American flag, and me. And I'm like, And then I'm like, boys, be still. <laughs> and we're just standing there. It's about to happen. And, and I, I didn't know what to do. My son's like, what do I do, Dad? I'm like, shh, stop moving your hands. I pull out my phone. I didn't know what to do. I text my sister again. I'm like, look behind the American flag. Do you see me? She texted me back the little emoji with like the big bug eyes, like, and then another text that said, I still hate you. <laughs> Guys, that happened. It's not over. It's, I, I promise we're going to get back to the Bible. This has got to happen, though. So now, all of a sudden, 25 people come running out of the tunnel, holding, all holding a handle on this big, giant tarp, like rolled up thing. And I'm like, all of a sudden, it hit me. That's a flag. That's a Broncos. They're about to run out on the field with this Broncos flag. And here I'm like stuck, right? Like this. And I, you know what I did, right? I went. <laughs> I went. And I grabbed the corner of the flag. <laughs> hey, I, I didn't know what to do. I'm just rolling with it at this point. And I go, hey, Austin. Psst. And he goes. I'm like, hey, psst, Austin. He goes, he comes over. He grabs the corner with me. About this time, a girl with a headset who you can just tell she's running things. She comes over. She goes, excuse me, are you trying to sneak on my flag? And we're like this. We're like. Then I go, is that a problem? And she goes, 
just get in the middle and run fast. <laughs> and I go, run fast, why would I? And she goes, go, go, go. And everyone runs onto the field. And me and Austin are holding onto the corner like this. We're just, we just run out onto the field with the flag. And, and 80,000 people are cheering and something like came over me and I thought that might be for me. And I start running <laughs> around with my arm in the air like this on the flag. I'm not even kidding. And look, I know sometimes I tell you guys stories and I know that you go, yeah, right. My son in the middle of this whole thing pulls out his phone because he's 12 and he's got to document it, right? I have video evidence that this happened. Roll that. <laughs> It happened. I had this picture in my phone. I'm almost done. I promise we'll read the Bible. I have this picture in my phone. I call it Ephesians 3.20. All right, that's just my name for it because let's read Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, more than you could dream up according to his power that is at work within us. And every now and then I look at this one picture on my phone. Remember I told you I started the week by saying, hey, God, would you help me make a memory with my son? We're standing out there holding the corner of this flag, and all of a sudden we're the only ones without a handle, okay? Everybody with a handle leaves, and all of a sudden I realize me and Austin are just still out on the field. And, and the Broncos start running onto the field. Fire's going up in the corner of the thing. They're running, and they're, I'm like in the middle. Like, players are running. I'm like, whoa, hey, oh, man, good game. Go get them. And all of a sudden, they start to kneel down in a corner of the end zone to pray. And I'm thinking, I'm a pastor. This is perfect. I should kneel down with them. And then I had this thought, you're going to get arrested. Get off the field. I grab Austin's hand. We go running off the field. He looks up at me, and he goes, Dad. I love you. <laughs> and I have this picture in my phone every now and then when I need to be reminded that sometimes when I think everything's stuck, when I think things are going nowhere, when I think something's finished, sometimes it's just getting started, isn't it? And sometimes God does things that just blow you away. And when I need to be reminded of this, I look at this picture. <laughs> That's Ephesians 3.20 to me. But you know what? You know, you know what I thought this week? That also represents the Easter story, doesn't it? There was a day when every follower of Christ, they were just sure the story was over, that it was finished. And God looks down, and in a way that only he can do, he goes, hey, guys, you thought that part of your life was over. You thought that part of your story's finished. I'm just getting started. <laughs> And imagine being one of Jesus' friends or, or followers or family members. Like they've been down this road. People that we've seen this before. You may know this, you may not. There were other people in this day and age who were walking around town from time to time going, hey, I'm the one. I'm the chosen one. Yeah. Yeah, did I not mention that? I'm the one. I'm sent from God. I am God. I can, I can solve the whole problem, fix sin, all of it. Follow me. And people would follow these guys. But you know where every single movement ended? You know what stopped it every single time and every single follower went, I guess I was duped. I guess what I hoped was God wasn't. I guess the whole thing was a joke. You know when it stopped? Every time? When he died. I guess he's not God because a God can't die, can he? And dead rabbis don't change the world. And so there would be guys that would say, I'm the one, and then he would die, and then the whole thing's over. Imagine being one of Jesus' followers, one of his best friends, one of his family members. I know with all my heart, he's the one. And then Friday happens. I guess I was wrong. I guess he's not. I guess all my hopes and dreams are gone. And they... Read history, read the Bible, they run, they hide. They're disappointed with God, they're disappointed with themselves, and they're just sure that their situation is hopeless. And so they walk. They say, I'm done with the whole thing. Come on, you ever felt that way? 
You ever looked at your own life and stuff you've been through and go, that's not fair. How come God? And we, we blame God for stuff and we get real disappointed and hurt and angry with God. And we go, that's it. I walk. I don't want anything to do with any of it. Or what's way more painful is we get disappointed with ourselves and we go, he's not going to want me. And we walk. Or we look at our situation and we go, this situation is hopeless. The dream isn't going to happen. This part of my story is done. And we walk. That's where his best friends were. They all had walked, all of them, 100% sure it's over. But I mean, think about what they just have been through, right? As Chad so beautifully talked about last week, Jesus had this last supper with his best friends and Jesus washes their feet and then they go to this garden and they pray and and Jesus then allows himself to be arrested, allows himself to be taken to a whipping post where they would beat him with a cat of nine tails whip that so much flesh would be removed from his body during that beating that as the prophet said, he would be unrecognizable. He allowed it to happen. Think about that. And then he allowed them to hit him and to laugh at him and to mock him and to spit on him and then put a cross on his back and point to the top of the hill. And then Jesus goes to the top of this hill and in humiliating fashion, he allows them to spread his body out over these beams and put a nail in his feet and nails in his wrist and they hang him up in public to die the most humiliating and excruciating death possible. He allowed it to happen. But isn't it, isn't it why he came, right? I mean, if you go back, isn't, it, isn't that what he said the mission was? Wasn't that the plan the whole time? He said this, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He said, I know that there's a price to sin. And I know that it's eternal separation from the Father. And that's not happening. So I'll come pay what you could never pay. I'll come be a ransom. I'll come pay the debt. I'll come defeat sin so that God can now take you from somewhere you deserve to be to somewhere you could never deserve or earn on your best day. That's what we celebrate, church. (laughs) On Friday, though, As the mission is being completed, as the job is being done, he says this, these famous words, John 19, 30, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And it occurred to me this week, you know, we read those three words and we celebrate. His best friends weren't celebrating. His family, they weren't celebrating. His followers weren't celebrating. They heard those three words and they were devastated. See, they confused it is finished with he is finished and thought they were finished, didn't they? But why wouldn't they? Because we've seen this play out before. Jesus said, it is finished. He never said, I am finished. He never said, you are finished. He never said, that dream I put in your heart is finished. See, on Friday from a cross, he said, it is finished. But church, we know this. On Sunday, he walks out of a tomb and he screams, I'm just getting started. Luke 24, 1 through 6. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, the women went to the tomb bringing the fragrant spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They didn't know what to make of this. Suddenly, two men were standing beside them in gleaming bright clothing. The women were frightened and bowed their faces toward the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He isn't here, but has been raised. On Friday, he said it's finished. On Sunday, he walks out of a tomb and says, I'm just getting started. And then he goes and he finds his best friends. And he says, guys, I get it. I understand you don't know what's going on. You've been scared. You've been confused. You've been disappointed with me. You've been disappointed in yourself. You've been been looking at your own life and situation going, it's hopeless. And I know you've walked. And I know you've denied. And I know you were scared. But listen, I know you thought that part of your life was over. Guys, I'm just getting started with you. 
And I got Ephesians 3.20 kind of stuff. It hadn't even been written yet. And he's already telling him, I got stuff in mind for you that's going to blow you away. He says, it's, it's actually good that I go because the Holy Spirit is going to come. And it's going to live inside of you in the same way it does when we put our faith in him today. He says, the Holy Spirit is going to live inside of you. And it's going to empower you to go live out a life that you never even dreamed possible. He said, it's better. And then they start to experience it. Right around the corner, the Apostle Peter will stand up and give the very first sermon about the resurrected Jesus, and 3,000 people will go, he's giving me the faith to believe in that right now. He's drawing me to that message right now. I believe. I want to repent. I'll follow him. And the church gets started, and then it goes global. And think about this. We're 2,000 years plus from that event. We're still talking about these guys. We're still reading stories about their life. We're still being encouraged by them. We're still learning from them. We're still naming our kids after them. And they started a movement that now has over billions and billions of people are going to go to heaven because at their worst, they thought their story was completely finished. When he said it is finished, they thought they were finished. But what they now know is my God was just getting started and he had plans for me that were going to blow me away. And I know sometimes in church we talk about the Bible and sometimes it just feels so far removed. And sometimes it feels like, yeah, that's good for them, but I'm, I'm living now. I got stuff now. I'm going through things now, right? I get that. I want you to know, church family, this isn't just fancy Bible, the Bible talk, church talk, whatever. This is happening in our church family today. In fact, I just met with someone this week named Jennifer. Would you put that picture up? Jennifer told me her story this week and blew me away. She had a rough start in life. She said, she, she said Sean, I, I became a drug user at a real young age, and, and I never thought that anything bad would happen. I was just going to try it. Young people, I'm begging you if you're watching this, please don't ever try it once. It can steal your whole life. Just don't do it. She said, I tried it once. She said, I was a meth addict for 17 years. And then I got pregnant and then I got arrested. And she said, there was a day in my life when I knew my life was over. I was in prison, chained to the floor. They un unlocked the chains only long enough to give birth. She said, I had no friends, no family, nobody with me, nobody to hold my hand, nobody to help me, nobody to talk to. And then they took my baby away and sent me back to my cell. She said, I sat in my cell, and that was the moment I knew my life is over. See, but sometimes, church, when we're at our lowest and we think everything's lost, sometimes God looks at us and goes, no, I'm just getting started. And somebody in that prison said, hey, I go to something called Red Rocks Church. It's called God Behind Bars. Would you like to come with me this week? And Jennifer went and she experienced the power of God for herself for the very first time. And she realized he really is just getting started. This is the beginning. I'm a brand new creation. You want to know what she does now? Now that she's served her time and is out, she works for God behind bars. She goes and meets girls who get let out of prison. And she says, I'll hold your hand. I'll hug you. I'll love you. I'll accept you. I'll walk with you. I'll help you get acclimated back into life. And then on the side, she also speaks at schools, corporations, and prisons about the goodness of God. Sometimes you think everything's done, everything's gone, and God goes, no, I'm just getting warmed up. There's a couple in our church, and, and they actually filmed their, their entire story. Um, and we're going to show it to you sometime, but we just don't have time today. But Darren and Amy, they went through a real tough time at the beginning of their marriage and, 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 they, and some, some secretive stuff started happening. And then, and then because of the secrets, a whole bunch of guilt set in. And I'm not telling you anything that they haven't already offered to tell the entire church. And again, at some point, we'll share their whole story. Amy did something that she never thought possible. She never thought would happen. And she had an affair. And I guarantee you, everybody from the outside looking into this marriage, it's over. Done. 
Not a chance, right? Finished. But God said, no, 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 you too, come here. I'm just getting started. And he started to do miracles in this couple's life. And he started to heal hearts that they didn't think could be healed. He started to allow for forgiveness that they didn't think could ever happen. And I just heard Darren recently say this. He said, he said, God completely did a miracle in our lives. We didn't separate. We're still together. We love each other. We've never loved each other more. We've never been better friends. And he said, I can't wait to grow old with her. Here's a picture of their family today. A friend of mine named Will I wish I could tell you stories all day, but it's going to have to come to a close. I got two more. A friend of mine named Will, he did the same thing. I'll just try it once. Became an addict, never thought that would happen. Became a drug dealer, never thought that would happen. Like, you want to talk about a spiral? He said, one night I walked outside and there were 16 cop cars outside of my house. And that's the night I knew my life is over. I mean, imagine that, right? Well, he gets out of prison and someone invites him to something called Red Rocks Church Young Adults. If you're in your 20s or know anybody who is and you haven't or don't go to our young adults ministry, you are out of your mind. It is, it is crazy good. Well, God got a hold of him at that service and he started to realize, I think I want to do that. He applied to be an intern here at the church. Now imagine what's going on in his head while he's doing that. They're not going to want me. I mean, look at all the applicants they have and look at my past. They're not going to accept me. They're not going to welcome me. What he didn't know is, no, that's what this place is built on. We will welcome you and we will love you and we will believe in you and we will accept you. And Will has now spent two years with us on the team And this picture was taken just recently while Will, someone who was sure his life was over, is now preaching to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of our kids in this church family at youth group. The last story I'm going to share with you is a new friend of mine named Hal. Hal's amazing. You're going to love Hal. But before I tell you a little bit about our conversation, I'm going to let him introduce himself to all of you who might not know him. So Red Rocks Church, meet Hal. Well, I had a drinking problem. And I was supposed to pick up my daughter, who was five years old. I went to a bar instead. That hit me hard. That was 1979. And that was the last drink I've ever had. I went to her and told her what I did. I'll never do it again. And so if it wasn't from my daughter, I wouldn't be sitting here. Tell you a little story. This happened about five, six years ago. It was in Columbia, Missouri. I went to a Baptist church, and the preacher told me, at your age, there's no hope. Boy, was he wrong. <laughs> Don't ever give up. Because Christ doesn't want you to. Maybe that's not the right answer, but it's the best one I've got. I sat with Hal in my office this week. He's 80 today. And uh, in his 70s, he realized, I'm distant from the Father, and I don't have to live this way. 
Unfortunately, somebody got in his ear and told him, you're too far gone. I want you to know that you're never too far gone. Don't you believe those lies? Don't you believe those lies if you're saying them to yourself? Don't you believe those lies if somebody else is saying them to you? Don't you believe those lies if Satan himself is trying to get in your ear and make you think, no, you're too far gone. Your situation's too far gone. You made too many mistakes. You could never do this. God wouldn't want you. You're never too far gone. That's why we're here today. You might think it's finished. I believe God wants to say to some of you right now, I'm just getting started. Would you let me in? I said, Hal, he was 78 when he got invited to the church, to Red Rocks. I said, Hal, what made you stay? Like, I've been to our services. (laughs) At 78, what made you stay? He said, I went to the Arvada campus and they made me feel welcomed. He raised his hand in a service and gave his life to God at 78 years old. At 79, he said, Sean, it was one of the best days of my entire life. At 79, he got baptized on the same day at the same church with his grandchildren. And I said, Hal, I said, you know, God's not done with you. I said, think about your life right now. At 78, you got saved. At 79, you got baptized. At 80, you're preaching to more people than will fit inside the Pepsi Center. Don't tell me God doesn't still do miracles today, church. Sometimes you'll look at parts of your life and you'll go, it's got to be over. It's got to be finished. And I believe God wants to say to you today, let me in. Watch what I'll do. I'll blow you away. I'm just getting started. Red Rocks Church, would you stand up? We're going to worship. And as you... Take in the words of this song. I want you to start to think about, start to process everything that God has done for you to bring you to this moment so that he can do something brand new. I want you to think about what Jesus allowed himself to go through to provide us with freedom today. And what might happen if I said, I'm gonna let you in. I'm not walking. I'm not going anywhere because I do believe with me and my story, you're just getting started. Watch this. Oh, I think. 
God, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you for the cross. We thank you that you're here with us. We thank you that you died on a cross to pay the price for our sins. And we thank you on the third day you walked out of the grave to prove you were exactly who you said you were, the one and only son of the one and only God and the one and only way to heaven. We thank you, Jesus. And I pray right now, God, that you would give every single one of us the courage to take this next step of faith and to trust you. Some of us, we need to begin trusting you again in circumstances that don't make sense, in the middle of a dream that doesn't seem to be happening, in the middle of a tragedy that doesn't seem fair, in the middle of confusion, for some of us, we need to take that step of faith today and say, I trust you again. I believe that you are working in my life and that you really are just getting started with me. And for some of us, we need to take that, that step of faith for our eternity. And we need to receive the gift that you've given us. With everyone's eyes closed at every location, I want to ask two questions and I want to give you a chance to respond to what God's doing in your heart. The first question is this, just in a moment of honesty, you would say, you know what? I know it's Easter weekend. I know I'm supposed to be feeling like celebrating, but the truth is I'm going through some stuff right now and I need to be reminded that he's still working. I need to be reminded that he's not finished. I need his grace and his mercy and his strength to help me through what I'm going through. And today I take a step of faith and I believe that my story is not finished. If that's you, raise your hand. We're going to pray together and believe in faith that God meant what he said. Amen. A whole bunch of us. And the second question is this. You can feel it in your heart right now. You know it. God is calling me into a relationship with him. I need to receive the gift. I believe that he is who he said he was. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. I want to repent of my sins and I want to follow him. He's calling me right now. I can feel it in my heart. This is my day. I'm going to start to follow Jesus. If that's you right now, raise your hand at every single location. I'm going to say a prayer for you. Raise them up high. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hands all over the place, church. Raise them up, God, behind bars. Raise them up, Brussels. Respond to what God's doing. God, I thank you that you're with us in this moment. I thank you that, you that we are not finished, that you were not finished, that it was finished, sin was finished, sin was defeated, hell was defeated, death and the grave were defeated, but with us, you're just getting started. And God, I thank you. I thank you for those right this moment who are crossing over from death to life for all of eternity. I pray for those that are going through it, that we would experience your goodness and your grace right now and your strength, that our head would be lifted, that our shoulders would be held high as we begin to believe in you. And thank you, God. We thank you that it's finished. We thank you that it's done. And we thank you for the cross in Jesus' name. And everybody at every every location said, amen. Let's worship.